Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I've paid my dues time after time. I've done my sentence but committed no crime and bad mistakes I've made a few I've had my shells and kicked in my face but I've come through Alright, so I'm in Cardiff I'm in what can only be described as I imagine once upon a time the ultimate party house it, we, Yes, Quite literally. Uh, in this room, actually. <laughs> you said on the way up that if walls could talk. I mean, put us in a picture of an average night, a typical night, in this loft space, in the heyday of what would have been the, uh, the Pritchard hell-raising years. I just loved the party. I absolutely loved partying. And I used to go into town, and then you'd hook up with all the people, and then everyone used to come back to my house. How long have you have, been here? I've been here for about 14 years. Okay. So we, we'd have like come back to my house, and then in the end, I thought, are you just invested in a, a, an attic conversion? I thought, perfect. This is, this is, I can have a club up here. <laughs> I remember Joycey taking a bit, what, a club in your house? I said, yeah, well, it's after, after hours club. So, of course, typical me, I don't do things by halves. So I got the attic conversion. I got a, a load of decks in, speakers. I had uh, strobe lights, normal <laughs> lights, smoke machine. And it literally just turned it all on. And I mean, sometimes we were in your going, we were going fucking crazy for days on end. And how the neighbours put up with it, I do not know. Because over the years, I've had like two noise, no, one noise complaint out of 14 years. And one. One. And that's not bad. Because like, when I, when I say, you know, we'd start on Friday and finish Monday. <laughs> and sometimes it was Thursday going through to Monday. And uh, people were coming and going. But 
the smoke would build up so much, I'd have to open these windows, and I just thought, fuck, one day somebody's going to actually phone the fire brigade and see, you know, Pritchard's house is on yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, no, but no, it, no, no. It, yeah. But it didn't happen. And it was just like, smoke coming out, strobe lights going on, and everyone just getting absolutely cake-holes. But then I didn't, like, like say if the DJs were coming, like, for obviously, like, Lisa Lashes, she used to come up, yeah, she used to play a set. Uh, what decks did you others. have? Did you have the full setup? Did you have vinyl? Did you have? I had vinyl. Yeah, I had CDJs. Wow. So, so four know, decks. You have four decks, yeah. and it was all there, ready. So if you had if you had vinyl, you could play away. And I've had Howard Marks up your playing. Have you? Let, tell me about Howard. I mean, there's so much ground I want to cover, but I know that Howard <laughs> is somebody that had a a role in the Sanchez kind of history, of course, with the voiceover and his part in the film. But he became a real friend to you, right? Yeah. Well. I met again. I met him in Cardiff. Uh, he was doing he was doing a DJ set in a gay club. I thought, oh, Howard, I'll, I'll I'll go and see him. I think I might have met him one or two times before that, but not properly. So I went to go and I went to meet him, and, uh, and he said after the club, any parties we can go back to, Pritch? <laughs> I said, well, I said, now well, you've come yeah. to mention it, Howard. Well, I got the perfect place, Howard. I said, I got. Come back to my house. Oh, that'll be great. So he came back to my house with Dave Beer. And if anyone out there knows Dave, well, Dave Beer, he's the infamous party monster from back in the day. A dance DJ, hedonist. I think it was him and Brandon Block back in the day were like constantly in competition with who could, out, who could get the biggest Caner Award in Mix Mag magazine. So he came with um, Howard back to my house. Uh, <sighs> I mean, I don't think Dave will matter if, mind if I say this, but he just literally opened up a, opened up a chemist in my in my house and just plonked. God knows how many drugs on them on my living room table, and I just thought, God, like we are we are going off here. So you had options, you had everything and anything going. It was it was just it was all there. Yeah. Howard was there and a few of my mates and stuff, and we just yeah we just went for it. And that was Friday nights. Then the Saturday. Saturday, it was Saturday then, the next day, and Wales were playing Italy, I think, in the rugby. And, and Howard said, you don't mind if I stay and watch the game, do you, Fred? I said, oh, don't be fucking self. But then we were, I was sitting there, and he just, I wasn't really talking. I was just listening to his stories, and he's got so many good stories. Does he just hold court as well and just... Yeah, he's, he just got, and his voice, the way he, the way he speaks, his Welsh accent... And he was, he was just such an interesting person with some such amazing stories. And literally, I just sat there getting off my head. He was getting off his head. And I was just listening to his stories, basically. And then we watched the rugby together. And then we carried on going, carried on going, carried on going, carried on going. And then Sunday came. We were still, still going for it. And then I think one of his, um, <laughs> his bodyguards ended up having to come around my house and pull him up the house. He barely, he could barely stand by then. So yeah, that was the, that was one of the first times like proper party with Howard Marks, and then, well, hung out with him quite, quite a few times ever since. That's, I mean, he is just, he's an icon, isn't he? He's one of those people like Tom Chong, like the reason why drug culture is as widely accepted, if it is in today's world, is because of pioneers like those guys, right, that took the heat when <clears throat> nobody else was going to that level and putting themselves really, like, out there and in crazy situations. 
Yeah, I mean, what's what's the story? If you were smoking weed back then, it was like ninety five percent chance it was Howard's weed. Howard's weed. I mean, that's that's mental, isn't it? And 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 I think at the time I was thinking, I've got most probably the world's biggest drug baron in my house now, right now doing drugs with him. I mean. Howard is Howard, yeah, you know, I was I wouldn't say I was Star Trek. I I just I just really liked the guy and you know, yeah, to think what he did and he happened to be in my house was yeah. It was good. It's a moment where you know like life's good. Yeah. Something's like, worked out why, all right here. Yeah, what what's he doing in my house? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he would have told me that ten years ago. I would have been like, nah, yeah, whatever. But, yeah, it happened. It was good. So skateboarding really, I guess, is where the story begins, right? That's the springboard for everything that your life has afforded you. Um, that's the kind of the seed from which it all flowered, right? Um, tell me about growing up in Cardiff and when that culture first kind of came on your periphery. Uh, well, I, when I was younger, I was about 14, 13, 14, 15, something like that. Uh, and I was hanging out in the street corners with friends that I had uh, not far from where I used to live. Just literally hanging out in street corners, just doing the usual. You'd finish school and go hang out and just do sod all, really. And then the, one of the... Were you boozing or anything as a kid or chasing no, girls no, or doing did, any no, of that? never, never did. Well, we saw, yeah, girls yeah. and all that kind of malarkey. But it wasn't it wasn't booze. I know it's a bit different these days, but yeah, I wouldn't dare touch booze. My, my mother would kill me if I could smell smelling booze. So, so I, did you have strict parents? Yeah, very, yeah. very strict parents. Well, it was no, no cigarettes, no booze. Literally, if anything, it was sweets. <laughs> rock, rock and roll, man. Yeah, but um, I've always had a sweet tooth. But uh, one of the boys had um, he got bought a skateboard, a pacer, skateboard, pink wheels. No, he didn't have pink wheels. But anyway, it was a pacer board, and I started. I know my mother was totally against skateboarding; she didn't like it. it was dangerous. Uh, but you know, I started. Well, she didn't know what I was doing, but I was skate skating on it, and I really started getting into it. And I thought, oh, I really like this; I can do it. I thought, I'm going to have to try and convince my mum because I really want one myself. So and I had a paper round at the time and I had a milk milk round. So I, I just basically just went on and on and on for, for ages to my mum. I want, you know, I please, want to skateboard, yeah, I want to skateboard, I want to skateboard, I want to skateboard. I even took the board that I, my friend's board that I was using, got to the street, told my mum to come out. I said, look, look, I can do it, I can do it. And it, in the end, she actually, she buckles. She said, well, you, you can have one then. She said, you're going to have to pay for it. So of course, I'd get up on a Saturday morning at five o'clock in the morning, do my milk round. I'd finish my milk round, get on my bike, do my paper round. And then in the afternoon, then I'd do my echo round. So triple shifts every Saturday. It's triple shifts. Saturday, That's commitment. And then Sunday, I'd do my paper round as well. You know, back back in those days, if you, if you wanted money, you, you had, had to work. You, yeah. you had to work. My parents couldn't afford to give me money. Well, I used to have a pound pocket money every Friday. And that pound got me a bag of peanuts from the health food shop, which I actually go to now to get all my vegan stuff. <laughs> Crazy now things happen. but And, yeah, so I had to earn my own cash. And I wasn't earning that much, so it took forever to save up. I remember buying <laughs> a pair of pink slammer wheels, and I just thought, yeah, man, this is the best thing ever. And they were just wicked. But then I thought, well, I can't use them. I need the trucks, I need the board. And eventually I saved so up. So you got stockpiled the parts individually and built rather than bought the ready-made. Yeah, yeah, but I, bought, I, I stockpiled what I wanted, and I put them all away until I had the complete setup. And then I had a Vision Psycho stick. And it had like, like uh, edges, which were like bumpy edges going down. And it had like a 
crazy face on it. I was so stoked. I bought grip tape, but I couldn't just put normal grip tape on. I spent close part of the day making spiderweb grip tape. Carving <laughs> it in yourself with a knife. Cutting it yeah, in, yeah, yeah, making yeah. sure everything was perfect. There was no gaps. Oh, I took I took hours. Just literally hours. And then look, Ace. So you've I always been a flash still... guy who likes stylish kind of... Yeah, I just wanted to be different to everyone. Yeah, I just wanted to be different to everyone else because everyone else had grip tape, but I wanted to have spiderweb grip tape. So when they saw it, they're like, "No way! How'd you do that?" Yeah, you know, I busted my ass to do it, but yeah, yeah. It, it looks good. And every time I looked down on my board, I was it made me feel happy. like a superhero. No, it just made me happy because <laughs> I thought I put effort into that. So yeah, yeah, you no, know, and everything always tastes better if you if you put a lot of effort into it. Absolutely. So. Uh, and, and you were pretty started. you were pretty renowned, weren't you, on the sort of UK skate scene as being a potential young hopeful. Is that safe to say? Uh yeah, I mean I don't like blowing my own trumpet, but uh I did I was just it was just those that it just started creeping up, you know. I I really enjoyed um I was always the one like if I set I saw a massive set of stairs, I wanted to conquer them. And chuck myself down. I always Fearless. wanted to be. I wanted to be a stunt man in school. Did you? I, yeah, I always wanted to be a stunt man. So I didn't have much fear anyway. I enjoyed it myself. Uh, That's always well, been in you, is it? Yeah, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it myself, but it didn't bother me if I hurt myself. You know, I would say whatever. I'll get up and do it again. Mister so, Fifty Fifty. Mister Fifty Fifty. So it was. I it, I'd see stairs and I'd attack them. Like most people back then. Nobody would do that. Oh, you're a lunatic. So I just, I actually went on a mission to try and attack every single drop set of stairs all over Cardiff. And, and of course, people, well, you do stuff like that back then. There was no such thing as social media and stuff. It was just word of mouth and people just started talking. And You get a reputation. Yeah, you get, I, yeah, you had to earn your reputation back then. You wouldn't just put it on bloody Instagram or whatever, but. Uh, and then, you know, the, the local skate shop finds out and, and then they started sponsoring me, City Surf, and they really looked after me, um, gave me really cheap product and stuff, which helped a lot. And Because uh, when you're skating stairs, you're always busting prone your to board, busting yeah. your boards, yeah, and busting yourself. So, I mean, I remember I bust, I remember I really did my ankle in once. But it, the thought of being without skateboarding was just, oh, man, it was just, it was painful. I was so I my ankle was still hurting, but I thought, well, if I bought a freestyle board, it's nowhere near as big, so it won't hurt as much. So I bought a Rodney Mullen freestyle board, and I started using that instead. But it worked. It hurt, but it worked. But it kept me happy anyway. Yeah. Because I was still skateboarding, not sitting down on my ass. So, yeah, that's how it all sort of started, really. And then when does your uh, your best friend, your brother from another mother, your arch nemesis... Your partner in crime, when does Lee Dayton <laughs> enter the fold? Because I watched the, I spoke to Dayton about this when I had him on the show, and I watched the Rise and Fall of Sanchez documentary. And it seems like something happened when you two met. There was like a meeting of immovable objects, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you yeah. somehow seem yeah. to just bring out the more extreme sides of each other. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because, well, in Cardiff, there was everyone from the South Wales Valley, Bridgend, or, you know, within a 25-mile, 30-mile radius would come to Cardiff on a Saturday because the main hangout was the Cardiff Banks. Right. And so that's how we all got to know one another because we all used to go there. And 
that's how we all made friends. And Dink was one of them. There were many others. But, you know, I, you, back then, you, you just... You gel with certain people, don't you? And some, but you don't. And I seem to have gelled pretty well with Dink. And, uh, so, and, and then slowly but surely, we'd hang out with each other every weekend. We'd skate with one another. And then you sort of find this kind of friendship that we had that was, right, I'm going to outdo you. I, he's going to outdo me. And, I, and we had this, like, this little rivalry going, which was a friendly rivalry. It was not nothing like, you know, nothing bitter or anything like that. And in the end, then, you, as you get older... We we started travelling and going to um, skate comps and, and trade shows and all that kind of stuff. Of course, we'd end up drinking. And, oh, he said that the key trip was the um, the the Les Alps snowboard trip. That was the key trip. But before then, leading after that, we used to, me and him used to go to trade shows, and we I don't know, man. We just turned into absolute animals. <laughs> Because we, of booze. Because what? Or just like oh, excitement. Just the two of us. I know I could, I could let myself go with him and he could let myself go with me. And and the two of us together were like, just the terrible twins. We were like, so much so, the people saw us coming. They went, oh no, here we go. So we got a reputation for turning yeah. up at these events and kicking right off. And oh Christ, I mean, the things we did, we used to go to Bordex in London. we we go to the parties. When, we went upstairs once. We, we smashed the living shit out of the place. And then everyone else saw what we were doing. They all joined in. Me and Dink and looked at each other. They were, well, we started. So we did a quick sharp up. As we were going down, the security were coming up. And everyone got battered. And me and him just did a run and got away with it. <laughs> got away with it. We were like, yeah, high fives. And it was just when we next, went to the next party. And then, of course, everyone talked about that. You fucking jammy bastards. So we were sort of building this kind of... We were getting this image for the... For ourselves, and yeah, I think me and Dink was watching the whiskey videos and stuff, the snowboard videos, and yeah, they were sort of giving us ideas. And then we went on a snowboard holiday with all the South Wales boys and everything, and that that was just, I think that was the that really was the turning point to just complete utter chaos because. I don't know what happened on that holiday. I don't know what was in the beer. I don't know. We just fucking... We, I imagine not a lot of snowboarding went on, right? No, well, it did, actually. It did? Yeah, it did. But because back then, you were young. You didn't... Yeah, you don't get you, hangovers till you're at least no, 25, you, do yeah, you? Yeah, you fucking... We was up in the morning, still a little bit pissed, whatever. I get down the slopes. But we were fucking... We had these little stubby bottles. We are trying to smash bottles on our heads. They weren't going anywhere. They were stubby bottles. We were like lumps all over our fucking heads. And I thought, there's no way I'm letting it beat me. Typical me. I can't. I, you're not beating me. You're not beating me. And I just kept going, kept going, kept going. Bush did it. Wow. Everyone went out fucking way. Luckily, the chalet was run by two boys who were in the same school as me. Uh, Dragon Lodge was. Owen and, Gitto, uh, Owen and John Bassett. Uh, so that's why we were allowed to let loose a little bit. Because they were laughing their heads off anyway. And then Dink tried to smash it. Because he thought, well, because I smashed it. He has to smash it. And it never happened, but he almost put himself into hospital. He cracked himself on the head and he went, Ooh, he went all wobbly and just fucking fell on the floor. I thought, fuck, he's knocked himself out. And then we were puking in, fucking, puking into buckets, drinking it. And it was just like, yeah, that. And, and Denny, one of the, the Cardiff BMXs, he gave us a camera. Yeah, yeah. So that footage is out there. It's there somewhere and somebody's got it. And that's really what, sort of you don't started. even know who's got it 
Is well, it that Danny borrowed it to Dink. Dink borrowed it. Somewhere. It's there somewhere. <laughs> it's yeah. out there it's all got ether. lost in transit, but it's there somewhere. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious as well. I imagine, <laughs> and hopefully we'll get into it when we do this tour that we're going to go out on the road and sort of take to the uh, the masses. But yeah. there must be hours and hours and or days probably of footage that has never seen the light of day. In the skate era, like before you get picked up even by Sanchez and you're consciously filming stunts for the purpose of broadcast, there must have been years worth of just There's, utter mayhem. I know right? Dave Scott, hours, days and days, streams of footage. Like I know he's got so much stuff that nobody's ever seen before. And like really funny stuff. I mean, he, he uploaded some stuff from the, that he found from Australia on, on Instagram. I woke up in the morning, my speaker's fucked. And I was looking at the footage. I knew exactly when it was. I couldn't hear the fucking being what we were saying, but I knew what was going on in our heads. And just the movement was enough. I, I woke, literally woke up. I was crying, laughing in my bed. I texted him and I said, I'm creased over. And he said, yeah, I was as well. So it's just like finding like little pearlers like that. And you put that stuff together where nobody's seen it. And I well, you can imagine he's got like a fucking, he's got a fucking proper, Six or seven episode series there. An archive, we yeah, full we vault. Were, yeah, before we were Sanchez. And you got picked up, was it, I guess, off the back of the, um, there's a magazine piece, right? And then there's a Channel 4 show. And with a combination of those two things, what got the interest from MTV to pick up Sanchez as a show? Yeah, there was, um, I can't remember the name of the magazine. It was a very, very cool, hip magazine sleaze nation it was sleaze nation magazine very cool hit magazine why the fuck they put us in there because i think we i think we lost a few viewers for them but a few readers but then we did a thing for them hilarious really funny photos naked photos these photos and then we did stuff something for passengers on channel four and they followed us like 10 minutes slaughtered or just follow us what we get up to Joyce was pissing in my face and just all that kind of malarkey you know? and that went out Sleaze Nation was out uh, the Pritchard versus Dayton video was out and that and, was huge within the skate scene wasn't it like, yeah I mean legendary we we saw me and Dayton were doing it obviously me versus him that's what it was all about and then at the, but at the same time we had really good skateboarding it it wasn't just like old Tom Dick and Annie from down the street it was we had some fucking banging skateboarders in there. And of course, we had Pancho in there. What we, it was just an accident, you know. We just filmed Pancho when he fell asleep. And we just thought, well, this is brilliant for the video. Stick it in. And then we wanted somebody else. We thought, Joyce, he's perfect. We asked him, and he said, yeah, oh, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and he just went, we had in Bath and West, and he went on top of this shed, and he just shat off it. And then it was hilarious. Nobody had seen that before, and we were just crying, laughing. And then I remember that that weekend we ended up in a hot tub, loads of women. They were all lezzing off, and it was just like, wow, man. It was, <laughs> and we were like, yeah, sitting there, this is good. Like rock stars, yeah, like yeah. rock stars. But uh, we weren't. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then obviously we put the, the video come out, and uh, there's a woman. I remember her name, Martha Delap, and she was a talent scout for MTV. And clearly, Jackass, they knew, MTV knew Jackass was going in America and they wanted to have a similar thing. And they met, they gave me a ring when I was working at Globe Shoes because I was a team manager at Globe. And uh, I just thought it was somebody winding me up. I thought Dayton had pulled a trick, but poor 
Martha to lap. She must have thought it was fucking right way though, because I've refused to. I refused to. I thought who's this? And she no, it's fucking MTV. Anyway, <laughs> I'd phone Dick and tell him he did the same as what I was doing. He wouldn't believe me because he thought I was winding about. And we, the two of us, went in for a meeting. We did the usual the MTV big sign out. We'll, we'll take a photo <laughs> without without disposable cameras. Yeah, the Kodak throwaways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we didn't have uh, iPads. I, I, iPhones in. At the meeting and. Uh, I stripped naked. Remember, I stripped naked. You and Joyce, right? That's it, yeah, because the second time he went, we brought Joyce and Pancho because they, they watched the previous D video because <coughs> they wanted us to be like the ant and deck of... Me and Dave to be like the ant and deck of MTV going out to find uh, Britain's most fucked up people. We said, yeah, we fucking are. Here's our video. They obviously watched it, thought, brilliant. Give us a ring. Brought Pancho and Joyce in with us the second time and then, uh, yeah, me and Joyce had a performs we got naked and ran through the whole open planned offices and things i think just thought well that's it that's we've just blown it <laughs> but luckily luckily enough they phoned us up and yeah they well they gave me a ring they said can you find us a house we need a house to call our base so i went around the area and i found the house on the corner of arabella street have you revisited that house at all since filming that first season of sanchez I have you ever it, dared to go quite, back? You I did. passed it quite a few times. I'll drive you to it later. Okay, cool. But, uh, yeah, it's just every time I pass it, it just puts a smile on my face. No doubt. Yeah. And were just, you there a year, six months? It was a long time. It was a, right? long, it was a long time, yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, fuck, we, we, moved, we moved in and <sighs> we were loose back then, like really, really loose. We did not give a shit. And Joycey, and talking of shit, Joycey did, it's like the first day moving in, Joycey shit in his hand, he went, because he did it on the sand, other pitch up his day, but he pushed it in his face, but so he did it, and he chucked it over the wall, and he chucked it that far, that it, that it covers all the next door neighbours, uh, laundry. laundry and stuff, and so we, went, we got off to a bad start, anyway, to cut the long story short, we were partying, 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 partying. Noise, 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 noise. Cops coming round every fucking time. In the end, cops had enough. They parked the fucking van outside, twenty four seven. Any noise? Really? We, so we you're on the round the clock surveillance? Yeah, round, round the clock surveillance. If you do any more noise, out. the guy next door had a dicky art Had a dicky art. We were putting him through. Oh man, we were just looking back at it. Feel bad, but. Who was in the house with you? Because obviously, those shows always say this is being uh, supervised by professionals. It never seemed like there was crew members in shot. I mean, what what was going on in that house with the, the crew sense of things? Well, we oh, I don't want to take... get I don't want to get anyone into trouble here, but okay. we had a health and safety officer who, well, put it this way, he was health and safety officer, and he was he was flying in the cocaine for us. <laughs> we, and I remember. I met him once. He threw in for like ten grams, ten grams of coke, and we just fucking battering coke. Next thing you know, we're fucking in a hotel room. He's fucking four of us just having a fucking crazy foursome in this room, and I was fucking phoning the people downstairs, room service, asking them for for fucking for razors and shaving cream. We were fucking shaving the women's fucking fannies in the room. So I was just like, man, what is going on here? You're my health and safety officer. I'm off my fucking bead. We got to go filming tomorrow. And these girls, oh man, it was just uh, fucking hilarious. 
But so then, the drugs uh, it, came it, in straight away, did they? Oh, as more or less, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they would, you know, money, we, let's go for it. Let's, Were let's the boys it. on the same sort of trajectory as you, or did you sort of get a bit of a no, taste for it? No, I think we were all more, just... You are all in. Yeah, we were all in. All in, all in, yeah. in a bottle of gin. I don't really... I know... Yeah. I mean, I know some of them got kids and stuff now, so I don't really want to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...talk about that kind of stuff for them, but... Um, but you... We, in, in the house, the you know, the crew and stuff... We were all young. The crew were young. We yeah. were young. And we all just enjoyed ourselves. I had a laugh. Although, you know, the director obviously had to get a bit serious at the time because he had to That's get not a job check. I'd be envious of. Oh, the fifth. It was Be- Becky Staniforth, the director, and she was absolutely brilliant because... Maybe you needed a female in that first season yeah, to and that's exactly, that's keep exactly boys in line. Why we, when we realised when we had Jim Hickey later on, we realised how good... I mean, Jim Hickey was amazing, but... You know, Jackie, Jim Hickey was one of the boys, but Becky was one of the boys as well. But she got put a foot down when she needs put a foot down, and people like Panch or whatever didn't feel you, know, you could shout at a woman because it was it's not fair, is it? But you know, you could shout at Jim. <laughs> Unfortunately, sorry, Jim. <laughs> Fuck off, Jim. Oh, 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 oh guys, oh, but we got to do this. But yeah, so, Becky. so he came in two, three in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And your friendship with Pancho, because you two obviously quite had quite a unique dynamic as well in terms of the, the bits you'd film together, and then also you'd obviously go on to do the um, Balls of Steel show. So you two were pretty tight and close from the get-go as well, right? Tell me about well, that was, dynamic with him. Yeah, I was quite close with Pancho before. I've always been quite close with Pancho. Me and him get on, apart from when I... You're like the odd couple, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, that's when I sort of like shave his eyebrows with Dink or whatever, because... When, we're, when there's the four of us, me and they gang up on him. Yeah. Because uh, it's just funny. And But I do get on with Panch. I've had quite a good relationship with Panch over the years. Uh, you used to knock around in Newquay together, I remember, the two of you. When we were down there, when we left school, I remember seeing you both in like a bar. And Newquay seemed to be almost like a home away from home for you guys for uh, a bit, didn't it? Well, I don't know. Not, was it just the club nights and stuff you were just, doing down yeah, there? Well, it was me and Dane, I think. And was it? I think me and Dane were always right, right, going right. and nuky together because it was me, Dane, and Aid, the, the guy who manages my shop, and he was our tour manager. So we used to do nuky quite a bit. But yeah, with Pipes, that was a, it's a really long story because around that time it all started to go a little bit peep tong. This is what? Because First we were, season? Or- I. That's this is the bad thing with me, right? My memory, my memory, <laughs> like into one. Sieve, yeah. But uh, do you finish that season as all friends? Do you remember? We've, it, we you did, we, we did the, the first season, brilliant. Jobs to the boyos. We won't all. I don't think. I think I speak for everyone here. We weren't really that fussed on that one. Yeah, we had a laugh, but it was. And then we went to the European invasion. Yeah, fucking banging. We were yeah, back yeah, to yeah. our own, doing our own shit, stuck in the bus. Footage was unreal. Yeah, uh, and we're still. All going in, and I can't remember around what time, but we had John Knoll with us, who was just like <coughs> the biggest fucking agent out there. He looks after Russell Brand, bloody Dermot O'Leary, you name him. He's 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 the daddy when it comes to agents. Couldn't have asked for a better agent, and he tried and tried and tried to get us, uh, tried to work with MTV, you know, to make us. Big superstars, and you know he's he's got Keith Lemon. Look what he's done with all them and stuff. And MTV just won't play in ball. They really just won't play in ball. I don't know why. He couldn't work out why. 
And he's just, you know, he's come to an ultimatum. It's like, you know, I, I can't work with you boys because MTV won't let me. So it's up to you now. It falls in your court. You can either stay with MTV or I'm not interested. Or I will fund, I will back a, a, a new pilot under a different name, but with you guys and try and sell it to people I can't afford and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and you know, us at the time, oblivious, you know, MTV is a big brand. And I think that's most probably one of the, the biggest mistakes decision wise that I think I've ever done. I know you should never regret anything because I wouldn't be what I'm doing. I hear what I'm doing now, but I know that if we chose to go with John Noel, we most probably would be, yeah, doing a lot of stuff. Uh, but we all decided to stay with MTV. And then that's when it sort of, agent-wise, that's when it sort of started going a bit weird because Joycey had gone. Uh, but me, Pancho, and Dayton were still sort of together. And then in the end, then work was coming in for me and Pancho. Uh, and obviously, I can understand where Dink was because, you know, he's like, well, they're getting me and Pancho work. He's not getting him. So Dink went off and got another agent. And this is just where it's like... Oh, it's the look. classic sort of band story, isn't yeah, it? When it everyone is. starts getting their own manager yeah. and they're not directly communicating with each other. It's like managers communicating and, yeah, and cracks it, appear. and Yeah, and that's when it sort of started to go a little bit wrong. And I, I, I completely understand where Dink was from. Looking back, you know, I started this with Dink, and but they were getting work for me and Pancho. I, I mean, I wouldn't say I don't feel bad because at the end of the day, I've got to do what I've got to do. You know, if they're offering me a job, I can't turn it down because they're not going to ask Dink to do it anyway. So it was just, you know, he's just going to blow it. Yeah, he's just going to blow it up. So if Dink goes with another agent, they, he might get work doing other stuff. So I could, I, I think it wasn't too good for Dink, obviously. But me and Pancho went off to do uh, Balls of Steel and Death Wish Live, <laughs> which was... Like I, I said, you were a funny of... pairing as well. You were a funny pairing, you yeah, and but Pancho. I, 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 yeah, but I, I got on with Pancho. We're funny pairing. Yeah. But I know I'm even funnier when I'm with Dink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dink knows well, I my... just watched Get High last night and I was in tears. Yeah, just... and, and Dink knows my buttons. I know yeah. his buttons. Yeah. And the two of us... Have well, yeah, we you're a double act. Uh, yeah, we're a double act. Yeah, yeah. proper proper double act, and uh, and I'm sure everyone can understand that because they've seen uh, they've seen plenty of stuff that we've done, get high and all that kind of stuff, and and you know we just work together really well, and nothing against Panch, but you know Panch is hilarious, and but Panch does like a drink, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, <laughs> I like a, I like a drink as well, and I'm not having a go at Panch all year, but we, we the two of us we were fuck you know we were we were tearaways man. We for the, the balls of steel, we did rehearse all day. We'd have like an hour to ourselves. Me and Pants were like, there's a pub over the road. Before you shoot, yeah, but, yeah, because yeah, all live because yeah, we shot yeah. as live, yeah, but then edited for TV. So it's like, you know, quite nerve wracking. Not, not, we haven't done that kind of stuff before for live people. Take let's, let's sort of take the nerves down a little bit, Let's have a few beers. <laughs> Fucking hell, it was more than a few beers. Pants got fucking asshole doing <laughs> shots and everything. I wasn't too clever either, so I'm not being playing Mr. Perfect, yeah. But it did, it did work because we, because the 
fucking audience were laughing their heads off because it, cause it's Mark, real. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, yeah. Mark Dolan. And, but Pancho was in character. You know, everyone liked Pancho pissed. And Mark Dolan was asking him questions. He's going, <laughs> and the crowd were pissing themselves laughing. I was just, I was trying not to laugh too much. This is great because we're looking at a poster of the movie right now and Pancho's just looking at me with the, with the, the Russian, Russian general. Tell, can you tell me about filming that scene with him when you do the Gorbachev on him? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that was... That's in the movie, right? Yeah, it was... Uh, that's just his his reaction to that. It was... Um, I, I can't fucking remember that. I think I was pissed. You well, shave his head was, and you put the was, sauce um, all over his... Yeah, because we were in... Um, you were in uh, Russia, right? Yeah, it was in Russia, but it was in like um, a youth hostel kind of place. Right. Obviously, only us only us were in there, <laughs> and it was bunk beds. Yeah, it, all four, four of us in the same room. It was just a nightmare trying to go to sleep. Is that the way they'd sort of organise well, all of the course, shoots? Yeah. Just obviously yeah, save money, they, but they, it kind of adds to the. It's get, gets the, the creative pressure cooker. Yeah, as well. Footage. But um, yeah, it was just yeah, punch up all and you mess up. I'm green. As soon as you're there, <laughs> it was like, oh fuck, here we go. What can we do? And then dinked, dink of the the shavers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, started shaving her off, and then we put fucking tomato sauce in his head. He <laughs> <laughs> basically was Gorbachev. Ah, fucking woke up like a loser. Oh yeah, that was that was that was funny. You were telling me earlier on that experience-wise, the Get High season was probably maybe like the favourite of all of them for you mm. just in terms of what you got out of that experience. And for anyone who hasn't seen that season, it was essentially you and Dane and you go to Cambodia, Philippines, Mexico, um, Australia, basically like kind of exotic locations. Yeah. You get out into the wilderness and you try and discover the local natural, either like, products that gets you high or activities that give you a natural high so you just trip around the world together basically chasing the ultimate high yeah and it was yeah mtv well, me did a program called wrecked me and Dave, i don't think we were too want to ask on it to be to be honest it was a good laugh filming it but uh uh the next thing was they said oh yeah do get high and it was like yes this is perfect this is brilliant yeah at the time we had like I like getting fucking eyes going, but it was nice to do. Yeah, well, it's weird. You look back, you think I actually got paid to travel the world and get fucked with your best mate. And, and... With your best mate, yeah, and just have a laugh. I thought, yes, yeah, this, is, this is brilliant. But, the, but it was the it was my favourite thing to film because we were going to these locations where I'd never go. You know, I would never have gone to them. Uh, learning new cultures and new languages and going it's just yeah it was just i just really enjoyed filming it and, and knowing that you haven't got a sandpaper your ass to bits or i know or, or stick a drumstick up your ass and get the, the, the end of it or whatever I, I it was just you know you wake up every day and it was just it was basically just me and dinked winding one another up mm-hmm. and at the same time sort of the serious part was getting high and i think the I think the best experience for me was obviously the ayahuasca, which was just mentally intense. The mushrooms in Mexico. Can you describe something like that, or is it kind um, of indescribable? I don't think. I, all I can say is I just fucking lost the plot. Yeah. I mean, I took it. 
think it was actually serious for once because <laughs> he was like, he knew, he, he knew, he knew not to, out. yeah, he didn't want to spin me out, and he knew, and he knew not to fuck with me. He did it. I like the way he goes. They've told me not to fuck with him, but there's someone dressed like a bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and I was like, fucking, I just drank the stuff, and I was looking. I was like, fucking hell, who's that? And he's like, oh, ayahuasca, ayahuasca. I was like, fucking ayahuasca, be fucked. It's working already. And, uh, the first when I first started coming up, it was great. I thought it was like quite euphoric. I was like, oh, this is nice, and it was a, a sort of like an, an easy trip. And the floor was going, yeah, moving and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah. I was really enjoying it. I thought, well, if it's like this, it's fucking great. And then it just went. I went, oh, shit, it's not working, thing. He went, isn't it? I went, no, it's just stopped. It stopped. He went, hmm. He sort of looked at me strange. And I just kind of told the boys, told the filmers, told everyone. I said, this fucking shit. Terrible. Sat down. I went, oh, I feel a little bit funnier. I went, I went. Ain't <laughs> he went? What? Oh, he went. Oh, it's happening, is it? I went. Oh, it's, it's, it's oh, fuck, it's coming, and it just come on so strong. I went, Dave, I need help. I need fucking help. And I crawled to the bedroom because I just needed to be on, on the bed. And I was lose, losing it, absolute losing. He knew I was losing it because he knows when I'm fucked. And he was packing his bags, ready to leave. And all I could hear this zipping was going zip, 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 and my head was going. Fucking hell. And he just called the shaman. And the shaman walked in the room. She went, yeah, four days. Oh, man, I wanted to cry. And I thought, I can't be like this for four days. And then Jim, the director, comes in and goes, right, yeah, we've got to go back to Rio now. Six months, six hours down the road. I went, what do you mean go back to Rio? I'm fucked. <laughs> I can't go. I got to oh, you have to do. We've got to catch a plane tomorrow. So basically, my ayahuasca trip was spent in the front of a van. Travelling through the fucking Brazilian jungle to get to Rio de Janeiro, but was it on quite a tight schedule then? Because I wondered whether, when you're sort of going right today, we're going here, tomorrow we're going here. Was that all in real time? What you see, like the the schedule was that tight, and you were literally yeah, trip, 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 trip. Just, yeah, bump, 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 next, next, next. Because at no point do either of you seem tired or jaded. You both seem really elevated, and the mood seems really light and happy throughout the whole thing. Is that, I guess, just because the experience was so overwhelmingly... Because the experience was good, and that's why I there think... There was no come down. Of, yeah, it and, just... it, and it came across well. We came across well, because, yeah, the experience was just... Every day was fucking amazing. It was just like, yeah, man, I can't... Well, <laughs> just kept pinching myself when we're doing, yeah, doing this. You know, I was meant to be a chef, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I, I'm fucking travelling the world down a lot. I mean, me and Dick locked us. We were in the favelas, the first... We landed in Brazil first, and we were staying in the favelas. I mean, how many people get to stay in the favelas? If you went up there as a normal person, you'd get shot. But with the tobacco, the guy was called, and he was the kingpin, and he was looking after everything. We were fine. And that was the first time I walked up. The guy walked past me with a big gun in his hand. Oh, man. I went, whoa. I went green. Ran over with dead, dead, dead. Just see the guy with a gun. He's like, what? I said, yeah, yeah, exactly. Fucking closing the doors. <laughs> closing the doors. Oh, and then me and me and Dick then went fishing for uh, you know who. A bit of a party, uh, a bit of fucking party powder from the, from the favelas with the cartel stamp on it. <laughs> we locked the door and just got, just me and him at our own, at our own party. And Dink's pretty, um, he doesn't... Uh, let on very much. It takes a lot for him to sort of let let loose doing certain things. And he was just like, fucking, yeah, let's do a Stella Elma. I thought, what? The fuck? Let's do a Stella Elma. So I remember, <laughs> I remember the two of us were absolutely cake old 
in this fucking room in the favelas, he's shoving a pipe up his ass, and I'm fucking shoving down <laughs> just for kicks, just for a laugh. And just, there's no cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just having a laugh, and I was screaming, laughing. I was on my back crying. He was going, "Fucking hell, this is what the fuck? How'd you do this? Fucking oh god, it was amazing." One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Because we're going to talk a lot about the Sanchez sort of stories, behind the scenes secrets, etc. on the tour, I don't want to go too much more into that now. Right, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I want to save sense. back yeah. a lot of the gold. So, but what do you do when Sanchez comes to an end? When that chapter's over, what's your thought process and your move how do you move forward from that because it's quite a difficult junction in your life to reach i imagine where you've sort of built this great successful thing up with your friends and then it's like oh well that's over now what next yeah i think that was that was a big um i was you know it's quite it's quite a confusing time to be honest because well let's just say we were spoiled and you know that Every year we were doing something, we'd go in here, go in there. Life was at 100 miles an hour. It was fucking amazing, you know. And and then all, <coughs> all of a sudden, I knew, not daft. You can see, yes, those days are slowly going. And let's be honest, I think we thought you try and keep hold of that. You somehow try, you're trying to grab. I don't want it to go. I don't want it to go because it was such such a good, such a good laugh. And uh. We sort of had uh, fallings out with Pan, me and Dave had fallings out with Pan and Joycey, which nothing big, just just so everyone knows out there, we're all friends now, it's all good. Uh, but like you said, it was just a typical band experience, shit happens, things get involved, egos, this, that, arguments. And uh, so me and Dave sort of just took it on the road ourselves, really, and uh, we did, uh, we carried on the live show, me and Dave. Just did Pritchard versus Dayton, sort of took it back to the roots and just tried to rinse as much money that we had left from the from our fame, I suppose, and for the people and for the fans who still wanted to see us. Did and, you uh, enjoy the fame? 
Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Dave would have told you. I, I'm one of those people. I really, I really did enjoy it. I'm, I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but now I can't stand it. Really? Yeah. And it's weird. But I will give, uh, if a fan comes up and asks for roles, of course I'll give him the time of day. I always did then. I always did now. I mean, I loved it so much back then. I'd finish a gig, go back in the change room. I didn't feel like I'd give the fans enough. So I'd go back in and just go and get pissed with everyone. But then, of course, you can't keep doing that. Look, but I did, but you know, because it grinds you down and you get tired and you fuck you up. But uh, yeah, that's so much. <laughs> that's so much I loved. I never want, didn't want it to stop. I was like, yeah, man, this is fucking nice. Oh, yeah, we've done a gig. Let's go out on the piss there. And uh, but yeah, now it's just uh, from people ask me. So I get quite embarrassed now these days. But I don't know why. It's weird. I guess quite, because you enclosed. inhabited quite a larger than life persona, didn't you, when you were in the public eye? And I guess there comes a time when you do want to. And we'll talk about it more in a bit, but obviously yeah. your recent lifestyle changes. Yeah. You know, one minute you're eating a duck out of an egg in the Philippines, and now you're a vegan chef, and you've got your own cooking channel. And Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess you become known as a certain type of person, right? And I'm, I, I, I think from the moment, from when I started skateboarding, my life has been two different people. I've been Pritchard and I've been Matthew. Matthew, you know, this is me now, this is Matthew. Matthew is an extremely shy person. Uh, quite, you know, social anxiety, you know, quite... You know, it's re- I am really shy and, and, yeah. But Pritchard is a lunatic. And I really like Pritchard. He's a great laugh, but Pritchard only comes out every now and again. I can't play Pritchard all the time. And I think I played... When, when Sanchez happened, I played the Pritchard for so many fucking years, for such a long time that I've forgotten who Matthew is. And I'm sort of at this moment now trying to, trying to, I'm trying to switch Pritchard off and trying to come back to Matthew and sort of, it's quite hard because I really like, I really like Pritchard, but I, I know Pritchard's not good for my health. <laughs> <laughs> Mental and physical. Well, yeah, just, yeah, just everything about him. He fucking loves it, but. It's got to be done. You know, I'm getting older. And yeah. I know I, there's other things I want to do in life. And being Pritchard, sort of, unfortunately, sort of uh, stops all that from happening. So peak Pritchard. I mean, let's talk about Ibiza if we can. Yeah. That was the, I guess, the next business venture after the Sanchez, Pritchard and Dayton touring sort of wound down. Was that then the yeah, next the, step? Yeah, the, the toilet was slowing down. I knew the money was sort of running out I loved I, I I love Ibiza. It was a place I always wanted to go to, but I never got the chance to go there. And when Sanchez happened, I had the money. I thought, oh, yes, I can get to Ibiza. But still, it didn't happen because I was so busy touring and stuff. I still didn't. I had the money, but I couldn't go. And then our agent phoned us up and said, you've got a residency in Ibiza Rocks. Man, I almost fucking fell to the floor. I was like, what? Not only I'm going to Ibiza, I'm going there for the whole season. Go flying back and forth. Oh, just... All my dreams coming together at once. And it, 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 it didn't disappoint. I fell in absolute love with the place. I just, it, it had me written all over it. From the moment I landed, you asked, you asked, ain't the excitement you used to see my eyes light up, I'd be on a plane, I'd be like fucking screaming banshee because I just couldn't wait to land. And uh, we'd do the gig and then I'd go out then and so I'd, I'd go from my beef of rocks when it was a bar M and I'd go over to Judgment Sundays, Judge Jules's night, and then that's where I met Nick and all that all that and um, big Nick. And he was like the 
my eight piece of dad, I call him, because he just sat me down. He went, what, what you want to do, son? And then he just fucking gave me an envelope full of party products. And I had the time of my life. And then I used to, every Sunday, I used to come to the island and do exactly the same thing. So I sort of got, I made some friends with quite a lot of people on the island. And just fell in love with the place. And then I was going there for a week holiday. I went there for two weeks once. And uh, I said, no word of a lie. I just, every single day I took drugs, booze, did not stop. I ate two spaghetti bolognese's in two weeks because that was my Ibiza food because I couldn't <laughs> eat anything else. And uh, I came home and all my friends went, what the fuck has happened to you? I was, I was gaunt, I had black eyes. I just looked like a... Like, like a just, junkie, yeah. yeah. I looked like a junkie. It was horrible. But I had the time in my life. And this was just before the film, the Sanchez, the movie was happening. Right. Wow. But, okay. So this is before that. Yeah. This, but the, not the boats. This yeah, is yeah, after. yeah. So this was just this before your Sanchez, the movie. Cause honeymoon got, period with the island. Yeah. 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 My honeymoon period with the island. And, and just before we started filming for the film, we sort of had people were, that were working on it. They just finished filming. It's all gone P-Tong. So they had loads of contacts on the island. And I say, oh, I fucking love the place. Can you sort me out? Because they sorted me. Went there for a week with a load of my friends. They sorted this guest list out. Uh, Monday night you go in here, Tuesday night you go in there, blah, blah, blah. So we had like an itinerary for a week, guest list for works, so, you know, everything. It's fucking brilliant. We just literally turned up and we got looked after everywhere we went. Oh, man, it was, it was a proper week. And then we went on. Then I was going on. Some people that I met over there said, oh, come on with the boat party. Went on, oh, God, these are a laugh. These are fucking great, these And then the film had gone. Sanchez is coming to an end. But I was still going back and forth to Ibiza uh, because I just fucking love the place. And uh, went on another boat, went on another boat. I thought, oh, God, I've got to do one of these myself. And Big Nick, spoke to Big Nick. And he was so, he, he helped me do everything over there. He was the go to man. And uh, so yeah, let's do it. We're either gonna do it now. Or I'm never gonna do it. And I just I got a crew together. Uh, some one of the guys from Cardiff, uh, Newport, Paul Paul. He was my manager. He was managing the boats. Uh, we got uh, Doily as well. Uh, my mate Doily. He he was out there organising it whilst I was over. Whilst I was in Cardiff sorting stuff out. And and slowly but surely, between all of us, we managed to get this boat party off on the ground, off the ground, and. Um, well, man, what a mental summer that was! But I was flying back and forth to do the boat parties and then flying home. But it was, it was the sun; it was a sunset boat party, and it started at six a.m. Six p.m. p.m. Watch the sunset, and as soon as the sunset's finished, you come back. But the parties were wild, completely and utterly wild. I used to, the guys who run the boat, Elko. and his family and stuff. They used to let me just get away with murder, and I used to be jumps. Uh, stage diving off the fucking roof of the boat and all this kind of, and then we got a really good name and the boats were selling really well and I thought brilliant so the second year I decided to move to Ibiza and live there for the season at the ripe old age of 41 or 40 <laughs> I think most people go to Ibiza to do seasons when they're like fucking 19, 20 or 21 yeah. yeah so I thought oh, I'll go there for the season we had a wicked apartment right next to Ocean Beach the new place to go and yeah we just another just did a whole summer of boat parties and I I put so much effort into the boat parties I, from the moment I got on 
So the moment I got off, I was 100 miles an hour, but I was fucked. And then we had to go to a nightclub then, because we had to do like pre, we had to go selling the tickets in the week. Then we had to do a, a pre-boat party piss-up, so we'd go to plastic at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Pre-drinks in there, boat six, sunset, home, nightclub. Uh, repeat. Yeah, repeat, repeat. And it was, it was such, we had two boats once. We sold two boats. So I thought, I can't be on two boats. I saw what we did, like, me and the DJ, we bought a, ding, a rubber dinghy. And the boat sort of not far from apart from one another, and we were all going, Where the loudest boat? They were, Where the loudest boat? So we did a set on there, and then we jumped in the dinghy, but we only had one oar. So we were trying to get the other boat, but we were going around in circles. <laughs> he had a fucking thing full of CDs on him, and I'm like, You said, Don't get the CDs wet, and everyone's going, Way! And they were all fucking calling us, fucking jumped on the boat, and we were about, Way! He picked me up in the air, and then boosh, got the party going again. Oh, fucking ace. Yeah, it was brilliant. And then didn't you have to leave? Can we talk about that? Or would you rather not? What's that? Leave? Like leave the island, essentially. Uh, in what way? Didn't things get so successful that you were kind well, of told? It, to be I was. it was more a case of I was getting old. Right. Well, not when I said getting old. It was... When I, when I like to do something, I like to put 100% into it. And I don't want to put 50% because there's no point doing it. And it was it was it was taking a lot out of me, and not only that, money money was going missing. The island is full of people getting caned all the time, so everyone's heads are all in different sheds and stuff. And, it's like and, Scarface, uh, yeah, yeah. And it was just, I know there was other people I was doing the boats with. I'm not mentioning any names. And people were just going under a mile an hour on the drugs and. And I'm just like, dude, if I was like, if I was 21, I could handle it. But to me, I thought, let's, let's stop it while they, let's go out with a bang. And I remember the last pool party, you know, we just leave it as the last one and it just fucking, uh, I went off. We had these, oh, it was just, yeah, it was nuts. But then I think we got out the right time. It was, you know, I could, I could have kept going. Uh, my elf. I mean, to live in uh, again <laughs> to, to live, live in sin. To live in Ibiza, you have to be a special kind of person to because uh, the island's full of um, what they call them, full of fucking pirates, full of scammers, full of untrustworthy people. And I'm a really trustworthy people. And if people naively so probably almost because you're yeah. just generous and yeah yeah exactly and people were taking advantage of my generosity and stuff like that and i was slowly losing my head and you can ask like people like aid and stuff because they used to listen to all the stuff that i come back with and they knew that it was by the time you got over there and i yeah. think i did the right choice i had a lot went in i came i saw i congered and fucked off <laughs> but i'm actually looking at doing um I went off next year. Nice. Yeah. Oh. Um, tell me about Stuart Cable. It seems to be this case that if you are well-known in Wales, you just know the other well-known Welsh people. Or maybe all Welsh people just kind of all seem to know Pretty much right. all Welsh people. Because yeah. everyone I know who's in a Welsh band knows everyone else in either Welsh bands or Welsh musicians in bands. And you obviously, I guess, became friends with Phil Campbell from Motorhead yeah. and Stuart Cable. Yeah, of was, uh, uh, stereophonics, of course, sadly yeah, no longer with us. Yeah, rest in peace, old Stuart. 
But uh, yeah, you're right. I think a lot of, I suppose when you're famous in Wales, you sort of know every other famous. Uh, Howard Marks, of course. You all just sort well. of yeah. There was Reece Evans as well. And you ever cut one off with him? I had a good night party in with him once. Yeah, we went back because I knew some some girls. They they stylists. They do stylists for films and all that kind of stuff. We had a night in Soda Bar, which was the go-to place back then, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Uh, we ended up in this house party, and we were getting off at it, and. Then Reese said, oh, sh- should we go down and get some vodka from the shop? It's like nine, half past nine in the morning. So said, oh, let's go and get, let's go up in their attic, because they're stylists, they got a little fancy dress. So said, let's get dressed up, come on in. So we just, I dressed up these, we dressed up these two aliens, these big blow of two aliens, and the two of us just walked on the street to go and get some vodka dressed as aliens, <laughs> dressed as aliens, <laughs> completely and utterly out of my chops. And then there was loads of kids in the street playing. I just thought, this is just wrong. This is just <laughs> yeah, so yeah. wrong. And it's then when one of them day to day life is happening, isn't it? Uh, you yeah, start getting the fear. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It was literally day to day was going on, and we were just nowhere near day to day. And a load of kids <laughs> went, that's that guy off the films. <laughs> I just thought, oh no. I, if if the paparazzi were there at that moment, not so much for me, yeah, but yeah, for, yeah. for him, yeah. to get that photo would have been fucking golden. And then we walked into this thing, grabbed our vodka and fucked off back. But um, yeah, I've cut, Stuart Cable, I met him at the, uh, we went to the Krang Awards and that's another, uh, Going to the Krang Awards because I've always read about it in the papers and stuff. And when we got invited, it's like, no way, man, get invited to the Krang Awards. Ace, I've always wanted to go. So we went to that, and Stuart Cable was hosting. We had our table. You know what it's like? Yeah. Booze everywhere, Jägermeister everywhere. Fuck, we were getting hammered. Stuart Cable come up on the stage. Hello, everybody. Cable, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm really proud to be in the company of Dirty Sanchez. And I just, we just went, what? Stuart, like, we never thought he'd ever say that. And I was like, no way, man, Stuart Cable's proud to be in our company. I was like, bloody hell. And I'd never met him up to then, but everyone always said, you need to meet Stuart Cable. I think you two would get on. So he invited us back to the changing room after the, after he did the thing. And that was it. We were just fucking lining up. <laughs> fucking chewing pills. <laughs> fucking, we were getting on like a house on fire. And people were right. We did actually. We got we got on really well, and then we went back to his hotel room and just chewed even more pills. Just got fucking wrecked. Had a wicked party, and he said, "Right, now what are you doing next weekend?" I said, "I know, whatever. I'll take you out in Cardiff. I know a place, and uh, we'll have another night out, sir." <coughs> yeah, cool. No worries. Give you a ring. He said, "I'll take you to this place called Soda Bar. It's run by a guy called Tim Corrigan." So we went in Soda Bar, and it was a members bar. I'd never been to members bars before. I'm a skateboarder. They fucking used to turn me away. What the fuck are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. No, all of a sudden I can get in everywhere. Blah, blah. So I went in, down in this basement, and Tim Corrigan, who I'm still friends with now, he's got restaurants and cafes in Cardiff now instead of clubs. And he just sat us down in the, in the quiet area, and he just brought a bottle of Jack Daniels, three off three on the house. We just sat there drinking Jack. We put loads of pills on us, starting taking pills. And basically that's how I met Tim. That's how I met sort of met Stuart properly and, and every weekend was more or less the same. And we fucking went nuts. One weekend we're smashing the tables on our heads in Tuldabar. <laughs> uh oh, we still, there was loads of stuff that we, we used to get up to, but 
if I if he took one bill, I had to take two bills. It was just yeah. I, I think it's in it's in his book as well. I just had a laugh at him. He was just he was just a really nice. He was a really nice guy, proper down to earth, had a heart of gold, and uh, yeah, it was just I don't know. I just I remember getting that phone call. It was just like oh god. I just had a phone call in the morning saying off. Oh, I think uh, apparently Stuart Cable's dead. I was like you what? And my first thing came into my head, he's an old deed or whatever. But, um, no, I didn't know, something to do with drink or whatever. I didn't think he was starting to cut down on the booze. Or he was on a diet. I don't know the full story. I don't think anybody knows the full story. But I know it had something to do with rock and roll. But there you go. Went to his funeral. That was a fucking blast. I wasn't quiet. I'll bet. <laughs> oh, Christ, no. One of those funerals, like the kind of Welsh, Irish, Scottish... Yeah, just, celebrations. Yeah, Reese Evans is there. Uh, Bernie actually from the firm. Bernie's the guy who used to look after cable and, and Howard. Uh, yeah, it was just yeah we went fucking bonkers. So yeah, was, there's uh, a bit in the documentary, the Sanchez documentary, when uh, Phil Campbell talks about walking into a dressing room and finding you and Stuart in a compromising was, position. That was in Soda Bar. Literally where me and him used to sit all the time drinking. Right. And I used to ask him all the time on a Saturday, can I have the keys? He went, yeah, no worries. As long as you write down all the drinks and stuff, what you've had. I was like, oh, fucking bang it. So me, Stuart, Phil Campbell. <laughs> and I'm like, fucking, well, fucking Cable. I'm going to get his fucking straw. What do you need a fucking straw for now, you fucking daft? I used to call me Tinsel Tits. What do you need a fucking straw for, Tinsel Tits? Well, scoop the fucking cork up in the fucking straw. I'll stick it up my ass, and you can fucking blow it up into me. He went, <laughs> you fucking dull cunt. I mean, the, what the fuck are you on about? And I was like, no, 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 honestly, I've done it before. you fucking done it before, even fucking worse. Who fucking blew it up for you? Anyway, you scooped all this fucking coke up into this straw, because you've got, like, nerve endings in your ass, and it just goes straight. <laughs> and I'm bent over. Phil Campbell's at the bar drinking Jack and Coke, just, like, looking as though... I mean, this is Phil Campbell, man. He's been a Mugdale on the road to Mugdale for years. I thought he wouldn't be fucking shocked by anything. And I'm bent over, ass akimbo, fucking stuck the straw up. <laughs> But yeah, some Phil's going, oh my God. <laughs> and Cable just went, <sighs> just fucking blew all this coke up my ass. And we just fucking fell, fell to the floor laughing our heads off. It's fucking funny as fuck. You ever met Tom Jones? I imagine he wouldn't have blown coke up your ass. But no, have you I, ever that's when, uh, enjoyed well, the company Cable, of Tom Jones? No, I haven't. No, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to have the company of Tom Jones. But Stuart Cable calls him, his, he used to call him his dad. Uh, but the only... Because they did the song together, obviously, didn't they? That's it, yeah. Uh, but I, I, there was a time when me and me and Howard Marks were in Glastonbury, and Tom Jones was playing, and he said, "Oh, you, you, you've got to go and see uh, Tom play to me." <laughs> yeah, fucking right. So uh, we had that plant. That's when plant food sort of started coming out. Uh, what do you call it? Meow, meow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't know it was meow, yeah, meow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mates, all got ten grams of this stuff, and it was fucking well, bloody hell, it's like rocket fuel. Stink the carpet. <laughs> it was like MDMA. I thought, this stuff's amazing. So I gave some to Howard. Told him, you ever go with that then? See, he said, he's probably that stuff's all right, isn't it? We're going to go and watch uh, Tom Jones. So, of course, me, Howard, went, a few others, went to watch Tom on stage. And we were, 
snorted his plants food off her egg and Tom come on and he started singing Green Green Grass of Home. <laughs> and Howard wow. was just sitting there and he had tears coming down his eyes and it was just like, no way, man, fucking this is... I was like, it was a surreal moment to me, like... The kind of thing, like, if I was younger and you said I'd be at Glastonbury with Howard Marks watching Tom Jones whilst he was crying, it was just like, yeah, it was it was amazing. I was just like, wow, man, this is this is sick. It was probably really good. Yeah. What are the world's legends we got? Charlotte Church, final one. You got any stories about oh, her? Fucking hell. Well, that was, that was all over the... <laughs> That was all over the OK magazine, newspapers. It was all over the place. Oh, there was a romantic was link in, there, was there? Yeah, it was in Soda Bar. It was a birthday for me and Cable went to a birthday. That uh, bar seems like the place, man. It was. Is it still around? No, it's gone. Gone. It is. It's still called Soda Bar. It's in a different place. Long story. Right, right. But it's not the Soda Bar that was in the basement. It was. It was housed like, all of these nights of sin. Yeah, it was. It, it was like that place. What's the? The one in LA where all the stars used the to rainbow. go. No, the velvet where they died. Somebody died of cocaine overdose in there. A the viper room. Viper room. Yeah, 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 it was yeah that, yeah, that yeah. kind of. Yeah. Place. All the Welsh, you know, who's used to go in there, yeah. and it was just an amazing time, man. It was just, and Tim, the owner, was just so sound. Like I, I remember having a three-day party in there once. They kind of have the keys, and. I was in there. That's unheard of. Yeah, and I was calling DJs. When DJs wouldn't finish the set, I was getting the next DJ up ready to come downstairs. And he was just fucking DJ, DJ. And we were getting off our tits. Monday came. Cleaners came in. I was that off my head. Cleaners came in. They, there was no work to be done because I fucking cleaned the place up top to bottom off my chump. And they went <laughs> home and then I phoned Tim. Tim said, you better not sell me my club. I said, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, what the fuck? <laughs> But uh, anyway, yes, yeah, Sala Church, her birthday was in there, me and Cable were in there. And there was just outside, it was just full of paparazzi. And that was at the time, when I think Charlotte Church was the, the most searched woman on Google or something like that. So she was very famous at the time. So she said, oh, do you want to walk out with me? So pestakily, I walked out with her, arm in arm. And as soon as they opened that, the door to the street, boom, I was like, Fucking hell! It was like a, it was like a, a, an intense rave with the strobe lights going crazy. I just thought this is hilarious. We just all walked off into the. Look, when he jumped in the car with her, the waiting car, went round the corner, nice and shattered. See you later. I fucked off. By the time I got back to the club, all the paths are gone, so I went back and I could carry on partying. Anyway, next Sunday papers. That was the Friday. Sunday papers come out. It was all over the papers. Charlotte goes off into Sanchez Star. <laughs> and then they've taken photos of her leaving somewhere in the morning as though they said I was being out with her that night, been shagging her all that night. And then... Is that true? No. No, it wasn't true. No. <laughs> no, to, I know you're winking. I'm you're trying wink, to catch him. I'm trying to catch you're, him. You're but... winking at me. No, no, no. No, no. I've told a lot of a people gentle... it was true, just, but no. Just, the honest truth is it wasn't true. And... Uh, but that was that was that was, that was almost like the taste of fucking wow, man. If you bother with somebody as famous as that, next level in that. It, my my privacy was was gone because I was I I went on tour or whatever, or I was away for a few days, and my neighbours are all knocking on my door, going, "Man, I have fucking strange people knocking on my door, asking about you, what you like." People going in my bins. I'm like, what the fuck? And I was like, that's fuck, man. Oh, vulture, isn't it? Just like, vulture how, culture. How can people do that? Yeah. Anyway, well, luckily. Well, people read it. 
isn't it? That's you know, supply well, I, and demand. People read that shit, so there's enough people out there that yeah, want to go out, and it's fucked up, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't. I'm not. Well, personally, I'm not really interested in other people's relationship. No, nah. for my own. No. But yeah, but that was a, that was a taste of yeah what it was like to be in her shoes. I can imagine. Couple of questions: Did your parents ever disapprove of the Sanchez? Franchise, because obviously you said at the start of the conversation they were quite strict when you were growing up. Oh, my parents were strict for a good reason. They were just strict when I was growing up because they wanted me to grow up to be a decent person, not a, not a spoiled brat and yeah, yeah. who thinks he can get away with murder. And my mother was really, really, really strict. I mean, I, was, I wasn't allowed to go to town until I was some crazy age. I wasn't allowed to go out on the piss until I was 18. Uh, I wasn't allowed to have sweets. I wasn't allowed to, hence why when I got to the point of murdering my own money, I went mental on sweets. But... Uh, <laughs> It's all things that now I look back on and thank her for. Because, you know, I didn't have fillings until I was like 27. Most kids these days have got God knows how many fillings. So, you know, it's just, yeah. It was strict for a good reason. And, you know, I wasn't allowed to, to stay up and watch the young ones. Whilst everyone in the school were all talking about the young ones. But I used to get bullied for it because they used to say, ah, you never saw the young ones, you don't know. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you know, I... Now that I'm an older person, I'm a much healthier. Well, yeah, you know what I'm saying, don't you? It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I, I. It formed a I, solid I, character in you and stood you in good stead. But what yeah, my question was, there was no rush to grow up. No. I mean, what's the rush to grow up? When you were in school, the people couldn't wait to have beards and to start shaving. Yeah, like, yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. You've got all your life to do that, man. Like, yeah, yeah I'd say that's an important thing that uh, anyone of a certain age should bear in mind is that yeah, youth don't, doesn't don't, last forever so enjoy it yeah don't rush it man just keep try and be a kid as long as possible because as soon as like because that's the, i used to love it when i used to be naive see when i was naive i was naive i didn't know what was going on around me my innocence is yeah. my innocence it was bliss and i was just and that's when i used to enjoy myself more but now i'm not so naive and i can see people's evil ways and mm-hmm. and what people want from me and people yeah it's, it's just grow it's just things just growing up and just finally actually just realizing what what's going on around me and yeah it's weird but it sort of ruins life a little bit because you just know this the world is just full of cunts when i was naive i didn't even realize there was that many cunts and it's because once you've gone through what me dink panch have all gone through where people you're everyone's best mate, but then when things gone, those best mate, those so-called best mates in there. Do you know what I mean? It's of course, just, yeah, yeah. And it does fuck with you. Know, it just does fuck with you. Know. What did your parents make of the Sanchez success? I loved it. Did they support it? Did yeah, they? of course, yeah. 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 By loved. the end of the day, they knew I wasn't Bryce back. They knew I was fucking thinking two shot pranks. They, they say that in the first season, don't they? Your mum thinks he's never been academic. No, he's never been <laughs> academic. So I think to them, knowing that I've done what I've done, uh, they, they're, they're happy. They're proud of me. I mean, if it was for skateboarding, I don't think I'd be the person that I am now. Because it's sort of, that was my stepping stone into everything that I've got now, was skateboarding. So I've got a lot to thank skateboarding for. And then I think the Sanchez years are sort of what I started to live, well, what I started to learn a lot of what life was about, I suppose. And as the saying goes, 20s is for having a laugh. 
30s and for making money, or 20s and 30s were for having a laugh for me. 40s is about <laughs> making money and start having a business. I, 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 you stretched the fun decade out. Yeah, I extended, extended the 20s to 30s. Yeah, I, looking back on it, I think I've spent, since from the age of 20, I just spent my life having a laugh. And I, yeah. You had a good fucking, run. Yeah, I'm, I'm so lucky to be able to say I could do that. And now... Yeah, it's just concentrating down and concentrating on working on businesses and stuff and, and getting ready for my retirement as well. And when did the exercise side of things kind of become as important to you as it now is? Because I know that a lot of people who – I've got a friend actually, Mark, who's big into cycling and exercise now, and he's really sort of interested and engaged with what you do online yeah. because of the cookery and because of the exercise. And it seems like you've probably – and maybe you can tell me if I'm right or not, have like a whole new fan base, as it were, or people that are interested in what you do because of the triathlons and because of the vegan cooking stuff. Yeah. When did that sort of start to settle in and become the... About 2008, 2009, I saw footage of myself on TV and I just thought, fuck, what have I become? The big monster. Was, like, I was yeah. bloated, I was yellow, I was just smoking, like going out fast and of course taking God knows how many drugs, just being a dickhead. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not, not moaning at all. It's, it was great. It was a, it was an amazing time, and it was. I'm glad I did it. But I just thought I can't carry but on. You did it. Yeah, but I did it, and, I, and a lot of people can say they did it. So I was, you know, I you took it to I, the I, top. I, yeah, I took it to the top. I suppose my worst part was doing 33 pills in one, one in one session. But yeah, <laughs> and just doing stuff like that, and I just thought, right, I've got to stop now because I'm either going to carry on doing this and just die an early age. Sad as fuck, or and I just because I did the Cardiff Marathon when I was fifteen, and I wanted to see if I could do it again. So I thought, right, let's start training for the half marathon first. Started training for the half marathon, really enjoyed it, and then I got a really, di- really bad addictive personality. So I really got addicted to running, and then that running went from full marathon, and then I thought. I want to do an Iron Man. But see, my friend sent me a video of Rick and Dick Hoyt doing Iron Man. He pulls his disabled son, swims with him, uh, cycles with him and stuff. And I just thought, wow, man, oh, that was just the inspiration I needed right there. But if he can do it, I can do it. So I started training for an Iron Man. And basically to cut, because I don't know years and stuff. It's my head's Yeah, tickled. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got into fitness in a really big way. And I ran from John O'Groats to Land's End in 30 days. I cycled John O'Groats to Land's End in seven days. I, uh, I've i done countless Ironmans. I've done thir- I did 30 half Ironmans in, in 30 days, which was a world record at the time. I've done triple Ironman, which is a seven and a half mile swim, 336 mile bike and a 71 mile run in 54 hours. Double Ironman. Oh, it's just, yeah. And were I, you when I, you I were still partying? Would you party and then go and do this as well? Yeah, were you was, doing both at a certain point? I was sort of doing the both. Fucking then, hell! Then. I was, but I used to. I went. I well, I did the mar- I did the Cardiff Marathon, fucking straight from a crag out. <laughs> I was cracked off my mind, and I was just fucking ran ran a half marathon in an hour hour fifty, and then I I got like oh, I was going, Jesus! I was, but then I was going. I was like at the start of an Ironman. I was. Putting my wetsuit on, smoking a fag. People are like, "What the fuck? What the fuck are you <laughs> doing?" Start. And, they, and they, it was just hilarious. And there was there was a lot of cases of me 
coming straight from a nightclub and going for a run and, and, and just, yeah, and going to an Ironman and all this kind of stuff. But at the time, I found it hilarious because I thought, well, nobody else does this. No you way. Know, you know, yeah. this is it's a wicked story. In yeah. my head, it's just all about stories. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's just a laugh. And, yeah, man. Cause I, and I love pushing, seeing how far I can push my body. I did it with drugs. And, and then I thought, oh, this I can see how far I can go with this kind of stuff. Now, again, my addictive personality taking over into another kind of hobby, which is which to me was a more positive thing because it's a fitness thing. And uh, yeah, I just, I just really really enjoyed looking after my body keeping fit but then that kind of the, the party and then i because if i went well, i train hard and that was my excuse for a party like i'd done the work party time and that's always the work as a reward then, as a reward but then you know summer comes and then you take that started taking over a little bit again so it was always that fight with Stop partying, you need to train. Stop partying, you need to train. And it was just constant It comes a tiring I, battle in yeah. your own mind, doesn't it? And I was like, fuck, man, I've got to make a decision. And not just that, I started going down a really bad slope mentally uh, in my head. And I was getting really depressed. I, I went I went to oh, I went to some really dark places. And I just, I had a lot of, I had words of myself. I was, yeah, it was... I went to some prop, and of course, Sanchez is finished. So there was a lot of things going on in my head. Yeah, Sanchez is finished. Ugh, as you gut- say, you're gutted. trying to figure out who you are as well, Matthew. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I was trying to figure out who I was. Sanchez is gone. Who, who am I? What do I do now? What the fuck? You know, and, and I can imagine it was mostly the same for the other three boys as well. And I was just trying to. It was like being a teenager again, trying to find out who I was. You know, and but I really enjoyed the, the training. And I, you know, I, I went, I, you know, I ended up, in the end, I ended up seeing a counsellor and I was going through all counselling sessions and stuff. I'm now on antidepressants, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh, what are you on? If you uh, don't mind saying. 100 milligrams of sertraline. <coughs> so. Did that have an instant levelling effect? I, I tried, I literally tried absolutely everything. Yeah. I mean, you could ask my, my fiance, Kira. Because, uh, you know, she's the one I've more, more or less spilled my heart out to. She's the one who was there for me when I was just really at my lowest. And, you know, she just said in the end, you're just going to have to go and get some help. Because I've tried, I tried everything. Because my fitness was... Um, a way of therapy, right? That was my therapy. Yeah. Because I felt so good after after a run, after a swim. My, my mind was way in a much better place. But then... I wasn't, my, my runs weren't making me happy then because, and then I, I, but then my coach was like, well, what are you doing? You know, you can't, I'd rather, go, I wouldn't want to go for like a 30 mile run, not a 10 mile run. If I did a 30 mile run, I'd be even happier. But then that's just fucking stupid because it's going to be killing my body and blah, blah. So it was just a, it was just a constant fight with my, with my mental health and my training. And in the end, I just, I just went, went to get some help and I sat down and. Did that had, have an instant positive impact as well, sharing? Yeah, I and... I don't really believe in all that kind of uh, counselling stuff. I just think it's an American thing, but mm-hmm. it did work. And the woman I spoke to, she was brilliant. You know, fair play to her. What a job she's got. And I've listened to my shit. But uh, she, <laughs> it's good she, to get she, stuff she, off your chest, isn't it? Yeah. Whether or not it can cure. Yeah, but it was a, it was real was depression a lot, is a different yeah, thing. There was a I lot think. of lot of things in my in this skull of mine, but. And she she just 
prescribed me uh, sertraline or whatever it is, and it took me a while to get used to them, because they can mess with your body a little bit, but ever since I've been taking it, it's, uh, my girlfriend's seen a difference, <laughs> my, my fiance's seen a difference anyway, she's, uh, she likes the difference, does she? Yeah, I'm, I'm more full of beans, I'm more, because I got to, got to the point where I was locking myself in, in this house, and I close all the, I mean, aid as well, my shop manager, he, he, he was, he's another guy who sort of knew what I was going through. And, you know, I just locked myself in here for days on end, in the dark, I drive myself still crazy. And sometimes I lock myself in here with God knows, yeah, I just end up drinking and taking drugs. That's not no place for somebody with mental health to be in, to be doing that to themselves. Because it only, when, it, when that stuff comes down, you go further down. Yeah. So, hence why I just started having quite a, I started getting the antidepressants. I started having a lot of words of myself. You know, just I need to sort my life out. I'm 44 now. I've got fucking. Just, I've got so much in front of me. So much I want to do, and by drinking and partying like a lunatic for three. Because with me, if I ever drink, I have ten drinks, and then I I call the drug dealer. I get loads of drugs in. I'm up for two days. Yeah. I cry for three days. So that's five days gone. <laughs> Absolutely wasted when I can be produ- productive. Do some stuff. It's a familiar pattern. Yeah, when I'm, I'm like, you know, I've got a business. I've got businesses. I need to freaking be there to look after them. And fair play, Aid does an amazing job. He's there and he's got it. He's got everything. He's got everything. He's got my back. He's got everything covered. But at the same time, I need to be there for him. So I just, yes, yeah, so I just, I had got, I just turned vegan. So that I got, I'm on a really, I, I ate pretty well anyway. Uh, I'm on a, and then since I've had a vegan diet, that's helped a lot. Does it change your mind a lot? Do you feel the positive impact? Because I found after not eating meat for the best part of a year and a half, occasionally I've like sort of relapsed on a hangover and had a scotch egg or something stupid. But yeah. I found, A, you feel so much lighter physically, like you feel less toxic. Yeah. And then the mind just, I guess, it starts to feel more clear. I don't know what it is. Does that happen even more so if you cut out dairy and all that shit? Do you find clarity? A sense of lightness. Yeah, I. Because when I first went vegan, I, I, I mean, I'm a chef by trade, so I, I sort of knew how to cook. I knew what to cook for myself, and I knew my body needed nutrients. So I wasn't that kind of person that went, "Oh shit, I'm vegan! I don't know what just to eat cook. chips." I'm just gonna eat chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So many so people I, do that. <laughs> but I did lose a lot of weight. But I personally think that was all the shit that I had on me in the first place from years of eating meat or whatever, and that just sort of came off me. And then I started putting on weight, which was obviously cleaner stuff. I did feel lighter. I did feel better. I, I it was not fair killing. I mean, me. I'm not preaching. I just, I it was not fair killing killing animals. They've got a life. Why? Why? Should, why should, what gives me the well? It's not giving me the right to take the life. Somebody else has taken the life for me, and then they're packaging up their meat really nicely for me to go. Oh, look at that! That looks lovely. That's not fair. I mean, Christ! If you can kill the animal, chop it up, and then eat yourself, fair, fair enough. That's that's your deal. But I just. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't fair, and I felt better mentally knowing that I was not just, not just killing animals, but help because helping towards the planet and how much eat you don't realize how what eating meat does to the cows planet. farts man cows farts everything is killing just, us all. Yes, yeah, but a lot of people laugh at you when you say that. It's like yeah, honestly man, do some reading, yeah, educate yeah. yourself, and see what's going on in this world. 
there's the greed, the greed and everything is just, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's horrible. But, well, my granddad was a farmer, so I grew up around the God. idea of, um, I don't want to say organic, but when he was a farmer, it was the 60s, 70s. He got out in the, I think, late 80s, just before it all changed and it all became very industrialized and very mm. corporate takeover and ramped up. And, you know, you had all the kind of genetically modified stuff going on. And, and he, he loved animals and he always said, like, I love animals, which I could never quite understand. I was like, but you're a farmer. But there was more ethics to that trade and the world of food 20, 30 years ago, I think. And yeah. now it's pretty much well. No, they just they it's just, gone, isn't it? On the supermarket yeah, levels, they filled up with antibiotics. They fucking filled up with shit, and then they just gone. They're on a on a production line. Bang, 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 bang. Like it takes. I think it takes a certain person to work in a slaughterhouse. Let me tell you. And I don't think their heads are fully there. But I mean, but, but you know, at the same time, I'm not praising the veg industry either because the veg industry is full of God knows how many toxins. And genetically modified veg, well, you know, Monsanto and Bayer and stuff, merging and and give it a fucking unidentified flying bloody seeds that don't bloody uh, poisonous things that give cancers and this that. It's just terrible. Why organic? Organic should be everything. Yeah. It shouldn't be this mass-produced crap. We should be getting organic food, healthy organic food. And I buy. I actually buy a box of veg now from an organic, I'm not going to mention the company, but I, every Wednesday, a big box of or seasonal organic veg comes to my door, and that's what I use. I mean, maybe every now and again, I have to go to the supermarket if I need to pick up a little bit more, but then that's, that's, that's what I get, because I just can't. And you do feel better, I find. Yeah, I do feel better, but I feel better because I'm, I'm doing my bit. Yeah. You know, I'm not, per- I'm not perfect by far. But I'm doing my bit, and that's what makes me feel better that I can live with myself. Do you have any um, unresolved issues with stuff you've done for the shows you've been involved in in the past? What's the bad things that I've done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Are you at peace with all of that? Yeah, I'm at peace with that. I mean, what's done is done. Yeah, you can't you can't turn back the time. I've done it. What are you going to do? <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Bend me over and slap me with a with, with a <laughs> cane. Mike, when he with, gets with, it. Yeah, with, with a cane. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm from 44, but I've got to that point in my life. Well, I think I've had, I've had, I've looked up. I think well, this might sound stupid coming for me, but I looked up spirit, spiritual awakening, and that's and at the moment that's completely where I think I'm going through a spiritual awakening. And so I've read up on it, and there's so many things which is just fucking clicking in my head, but. You go, you, but you need to go through all that to sort of. Well, life is an life, experience, isn't it? Yeah. And you've had a lot more experiences than most people your age. Yeah, and uh, I could tell good and bad. Of, yeah, I could tell people somebody of the age twenty five. I could give them advice. They're not going to take it. No, because they think you've got to learn for they yourself. They know better, and I know at twenty five when somebody at forty four, forty five told me, "Oh yeah, whatever." I could carry on, but then once you get to that age, you go, oh, right, yeah, you was talking, son. And yeah. the amount of times I just look at my parents or whatever, and I go, yeah, they were right. <laughs> I didn't listen to it, though. But then that's just life, like you said. You just, you just, you got to make live, your own mistakes, you haven't you? And learn. And you do your mistakes, you learn, and don't do it again. I think it's that thing as, as long as you're learning from your mistakes and you're trying to change the pattern, then you're on the right path. 
I think yeah. it's people who are repeat offenders or repeat kind of, you know, abusers or, you know, if you slip up repeatedly the same thing yeah. over and over, yeah. Yeah. then, yeah. You, you, you then you're, you're not, not on the right yeah, path. Yeah, because you personally in your head love doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. <sighs> so it's been quite the ride, Matthew. It's, well, it's quite the a, ride. It's been a fun ride. And the, the ride's, the, you know, the ride's, still, much, the ride's still going very on. Very much still going. It's still going on, but it's just a... Changing. It's just a cleaner, it's just a cleaner ride. Like I said, I'm I, I, 91 days sober today. I feel great. Not that I'm not going to say I'm going to be staying sober for the rest of my life, but it's just something I'm doing at the moment. And I'm, whilst I'm, you work I'm, through what you've got going on. Yeah, whilst I sort myself. I, I do, and, and another, I just need to give my body a rest, because I haven't given it a rest. I've just completely... Oh, fucking, I was taking it to fucking Ellen back. So it's just nice to give it a nice little bit of rest. I feel clean. I feel pure at the moment. And I uh, feel uh, clean and ready to go into 2018. Which let's talk about. So um, Dayton, you and me, the new three. Yeah, baby! <laughs> Next year is 15 years since Sanchez first aired on our screens. And I think it would be remiss to not do something to celebrate that anniversary. Yeah. When was the last time you and Date went out on the road and took the circus out to the people? Well, me and Date, it was quite a few years ago. I'll be honest, me and Date had a little bit of a tiff as well, a bit of a lover's tiff. Yeah. We, uh, I might, I, you know, I don't think he'd be, he doesn't mind me um, mentioning it. Again, it was the typical band story. All four of us did it. We all went through it. We had our arguments. We had our ups and downs. And, uh, Time is a great healer. And me Amen. And, uh, me and Dane, I know. Are you in good general. places, the relationship in a good, Yeah, yeah, healthy... we go, yeah, we, 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 you know, like we said, we, you do your mistakes. If you, you learn from them, you just don't do them again. Right? Yeah. And you just get on with it. And at the end of the day, Dane's my mate. He's been married for years. And the thought of, you know, just just chucking her away over something stupid is just fucking childish and daft. So you just admit your wrongs and, and, and keep chugging. But, uh, Time's a great healer. I haven't really done a lot of stuff with Dink for ages. So, but I did. I don't want to go on the road again and start smashing bottles on my head, sticking things up my ass. I think uh, it'd be a great idea to go on the road and sit down and tell all our fans about our stories and our experiences and everything that they want to know uh, throughout our lives in Sanchez, outside of Sanchez, and what we're doing now. Um, mate, thanks for a really good talk. This went all over the place in the yeah, best yeah. possible way. And yeah, um, thanks, thank man. you for opening up and sharing your your story. And cool. um, final question is, do you still have I Heart Daint on you? Oh, on your wee willy winky? Every, and if so, yeah. get it out. No, fucking what? Just you and me <laughs> in my fucking attic? No chance. In an audio uh, podcast? No, it's... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is still there. And that's one thing I always get fucking asked. I get asked all the time, have you still got Dana's name? Yes, this is a tattoo, and no, I'm not getting a laser off. It's staying. I, I want... Because we were meant to be having a Dirty Sanchez to the film too, the second second film, but obviously, like Dana said, we couldn't get the... Uh, we got the, the funding, but MTV wouldn't let it happen. But if we did let it happen, I was going to be having I Love Dink lasered off my knob, and then I was going to have I Love Dink tattooed around my ring, ring piece. So anyway, <laughs> that could still happen in the future. There we go.
catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 